the Florida Panthers dominate the first two periods in Calgary, but the Calgary Flames shut out the Panthers in the final frame. We're going to discuss how this happened and more on today's crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Calgary Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the special crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Calgary Flames podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Panthers and Locked On Flames your first listen of the day. For everyone on the Calgary feed, let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez, the host of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, and thankful to be doing this crossover edition with one of the co-hosts of Locked On Flames, Nick Zerars, and the Thursday co-host of the Locked On NHL podcast as well. So, Nick, great to be uh, getting together with you for for this one, even though on my end, it's a loss for the Florida Panthers. It's always good to talk puck. And like we were talking about before we started recording, as people on the East Coast, if you're going to stay up for a 9 p.m. puck drop for a mountain time game, you want your team to win. So it doesn't feel as bad to be up this late. (laughs) No doubt. And uh, yeah, so so for, for this one, the Florida Panthers, First 40 minutes, dominant, aggressive on the forecheck and and creating opportunities up front. But with the structure that the Calgary Flames had, denied a lot of uh, cross-ice feeds uh, for the Florida Panthers, especially in in the final 20. And the Calgary Flames score all of their goals via breakaways. The first one on a missed shot that that the Calgary Flames scored on and then two shorthanded goals uh, to, to, to in the final frame. But I want to discuss more about really how, how it got to this point, because for, for the Panthers, I mean, I mean, first of all, welcome back Chris Tanev to the lineup for the Calgary Flames on, on their side of things. And for the Panthers, a little bit of, of a li- lineup update. Uh, Anton Lindell has been placed on IR, Justin sort of recalled. And right now we're at the fr- roster freeze uh the in the in the nhl as well so a little bit of that but as far as the first two periods uh nick how how'd you see how'd you see the flames performance as far as that as the panthers were uh constantly getting getting pucks on on net but not really getting their sex as many second chance opportunities it's the exact type of game where even though the Panthers definitely a more talented team having a better season so far, it's the exact type of game, a team like the flames that likes to block shots that likes to muck it up and wants to win games on foot races and creating odd man rushes and forcing turnovers by just kind of frustrating the other team. I'm not going to say it played into the flames hands because when you go and look at the underlyings, I mean, like you said, Florida firmly in control through two periods and then the flames really kind of put it away, salted it away in the third period where with a lead, the way the flames like to play, it's very easy for them to kind of take control. And it just doesn't, hasn't happened that often this year. When you go and look at it, they've, they, you concede the first goal more often than they score the first goal in the first period. They've been outscored 105 to 93 this season. So the fact that they were able to score first and kind of get their feet under them, 
and they had the beneficiary of getting a good Markstrom night. Markstrom had missed a couple games over the last few weeks. He was injured. He came back and he was the first starter night. He was outstanding. I want to say he had a 970 save percentage. So when the Flames are have their game going the way they want to, they are okay with the other team shooting a lot because more often than not, it's going to come from those low danger outside the net area, outside the circles areas, which they'll block the shot. Or if it's on net Markstrom, they trust to make the save. So it, when the flames are able to play with the lead, they're a very different team. They just don't get to play with a lead that much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for, for the Panthers, usually, usually whether it's going into the second period uh and and scoring first more often than not they're on on the winning side of that and and even for the panthers even for the first part of this game it was really one and dones and then this it really took off for the panthers really in the in the second um with like seven seven minutes left in in the in the sec in the second period uh yeah the the florida panthers were perfect on the penalty kill a a lot of dumb mistakes and all but i also think about it from the florida panthers perspective when you I, i i wonder about the, the rest of the game, when you look at how the Panthers scored on their abbreviated power play, uh, when you when Barkov is on the right on the right flank and seeing Sam Reinhardt going going toward crashing the net, you see him on on uh, on shoot the puck on a double deflection. Matthew Kachuk gets uh, gets one opportunity, and then Sam Reinhardt scores for his 18th of of the season. But also also, I gotta give credit a lot, even before he scored. That was his. Which, funny enough, that was his first shot on goal uh, on the on the shorthanded goal, the first one. Michael Backlund, my goodness, he was extremely noticeable on the night as far as back checking uh, and and taking away gaps for the opposition as well for for the Panthers, and especially because after the first period, it was the odd man rushes. I'm I'm looking down. It was five to nothing in favor of Florida, and and and. That's when where the Calgary Flames were kind of getting more down low for the Florida Panthers to get their opportunities. Barkov had a shorthanded opportunity that was saved by uh, Jacob Markstrom a, a, as well, and and even the the little bit of opportunities that the and and the Panthers were really doing well in the neutral zone for the first forty minutes. But going into that third period, man, it was just sh- shut it, shutting it down for for the Calgary Flames there uh, as far as that, and only nine minutes only nine minutes of the third period was played at five on five. When the flames are with the lead and they actually have an opportunity to salt it away. That is the exact style that benefits how they want to play because in an ideal world, the flames aren't a fast team. They don't have a ton of high end talent In an ideal world. They want to cross the, the red line at center ice, dump the puck in. And even if they don't recover it, they want to force the other team to go back and get it, turn around and have to go the length of the ice every single time. And when you get into that situation where it's kind of downhill to some degree, cause you're just dumping it in so often and forcing the other team to go back and get it and break out. You're both killing 40, 50 seconds at a time. You're tiring out the other team because they have to skate the length of the ice too. And you have the benefit of this is something what the flames are good at forechecking. It's just that they're not particularly fast, but when they get that downhill momentum kind of going, they're able to engage in the corners, drag out those possessions longer. And that's really where guys like Backlund, guys like Coleman, guys like Manjapani, Dubé, those types of players where they're not the fastest, they're not the most talented, but they will put on their hard hat and go to work and really try and drum the other, drub the other team out of it. And that's really what happened down the stretch. And as you said, 
said, you know, when you have this much special teams in a game, there's weird things going on. Like the Flames were more dangerous shorthanded than they were on the power play in this mm-hmm. game, which, you know, the, hockey's weird like that. Sometimes it's just not working. But power play wise, the Flames have issues. But that, that's something Jess and I have talked about all season. They don't have the they don't have the personnel to run a good power play. Yeah. The Flames have gave up as many shots against as they did shots for two and two when they were on the power play. But the Florida Panthers, uh, they gave up two shots uh, against while they were on the power play. But this is uh, this is five on four. That so that does not include the last goal by Blake Coleman and, and all uh, as he was uh, he he was tripped up by uh, excuse me slashed by Brandon Montour with the empty net that was that's an automatic goal and and, and all so. With, with with the with the Panthers, it just comes down to being too pass happy, and that's really what we saw on the on the backland uh, goal. Yeah. And as far as as far as that, pretty physical game too. Uh, yeah. Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberto, as part of that trade, they were uh, going right after each other, especially after Sam Bennett was held and gone to the net as well. There was a little bit of a hip check as well at the at the at the blue line, one across the face, as well, and and that was a uh, there's there's no love loss even though these guys were never teammates as well so what'd you make of that oh it's narratives i i mean matthew matthew kachuk's media literate he he knows what people are saying i don't know mm. as much about huberdo from that perspective matthew kachuk has got you know matthew kachuk buys into the narratives he's mm-hmm. he's aware of what people are saying about him because he enjoys that he enjoys the theater of the sport both him and his brother do where they like to get into that kind of stuff because they feel like it gives them an edge when they're engaging in that chicanery after the whistle because it gets the other team out of their element if huberto's thinking about this guy's annoying me this guy's annoying me he's not thinking about playing hockey and when you're as good at hockey as kachuk is and you have that in your back pocket, it's really, it's really miserable to play against. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll discuss more about the, the, the more of the trade and the details of, of just the state of the trade, where, where, where it all stands uh, from now, excluding this game, because it's all, we got to think more big picture here, but we're going to transition over to segment number two, where we're going to discuss more about when, we thought this game was won or lost and uh, our personal three stars of the night. We are going to discuss that and more here on this crossover edition of Locked On Panthers and Locked On Calgary Flames. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to, to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked on has launched their first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Back on this special crossover edition of Locked On Panthers and Locked On Flames. Thank you once again for making both of our podcasts your first listen of the day. Armando Velez with Nick Zuraris, one of the co-hosts of Locked On Flames. And 
this one's pretty pretty easy for me as far as as far as three stars of the game it's funny because even if the even if the calgary flames came up on the losing end of this i still would have had michael backland as one of my stars of the game as far as this one but jacob markstrom uh he was four four and one in going into this one I, I believe his save percentage was under uh, 900. Uh, excuse Definitely me, it was at 910. It was, it was at it was at 910 uh, against the against the Florida Panthers uh, in in his, in his career with a 310 GAA. So now that improves to four five four and one uh, there against the Florida Panthers. And I guess a good thing about it is uh, is Sharon Govich's uh, uh, goal streak comes to an end. So they were they were able to at least stop that part. Uh, so. Jacob Markstrom, Michael Backlund, and Blake Coleman. It's not so much about the goal, but when the when the Panthers six on four, you thought at at that point for me, I thought that was the Florida Panthers' time to eat. That they were gonna that 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 was their that was the time for them moving the puck around, getting getting some offensive zone time. But Blake Coleman with that that block on Brandon Montour trying to save the the puck from getting out of the zone, which Brandon Montour very active in the in the in the in in play today him and carver hagee six shot attempts uh on, on the day but blake coleman is the is the is the is number three for me uh who who are your uh three stars as, as far as this game um definitely markstrom first star anytime you you're at a 970 for your game and you only give up one goal and you're one of the driving forces for you win as a goalie you're definitely the first star backland Backlund's so noticeable every single night because he does those little things. As you said, he's breaking up those cross team passes. He's really engaged in the neutral zone. You score a shorty and you really kind of swing the game when you score that shorty to make it not only to change the score, get your team back in lead, but also at that point in the game where the flame, excuse me, where the Panthers are kind of, they've been getting moment. They've had momentum. They've been controlling a lot of the game that really kind of, it takes air out of the balloon. When you score a goal in that type of situation, when your team hasn't been playing amazing, but you're hanging around, that's getting rewarded for putting in effort. And that's kind of, that's Backlund's MO. And then for the third star, you could, you could be generous. You give it to Coleman for the effort on the block shot and the empty netter. You could give it to Reinhardt for the goal. Either one of them, that'd be fine with me. Yeah, and 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 Dev, and it's no love loss also between Coleman and the and the Florida Panthers based on their playoff series uh, from uh, uh, from twenty twenty one as well. So definitely uh, definitely no love loss uh, there as well. And it's funny because every every time I do a show, um, I think about the parts of the parts of the game where we thought are won and lost. And most times for me, it's moments before they happen, whenever I yeah. choose a moment for me, but for it's funny because I was thinking, okay, leading up to it. And also going back to Michael Backlund, he had that delay of game puck over glass uh, right before, right before the two minute mark and thinking, Oh man, he's going to have such a great game. And then to, to possibly lose on that. Uh, but when, but it for me it really didn't happen until until that Blake Coleman uh uh blocked uh blocked uh opportunity for Brandon Montour to get it keep it in the zone that that was for me when we thought when I thought this game was won or lost because you're thinking one one game Panthers basic are basically kept in check for the first fifteen minutes of of the of the of the third period and look check this out Nick. 
I know there was wasn't over ten minutes of five on five in the third, but of eight Panthers shot attempts, only two of them got on net as well. the The shot on goals when you see ten to nine can be a little deceiving when you look at the box score, but man, when you think about what the Panthers were doing in the first fifteen minutes and all, you're thinking, and you're thinking, man, the the what what happened in the what happened in these in these 15 minutes that didn't happen in the first 40 and yes the 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 slot was clogged the the centering feeds were weren't there for the, for the Panthers as well so when was the when for me was that block was that Blake Coleman uh goal for for me that's really i mean at that point you're it's 2-1 Coleman scores the empty netter that's that's your game at three at three one but to me the game I honestly want to say just I want to say it's on the power plays that weren't converted I mean when you have the kind of night that the flames did on the kill where you're playing a team like Florida that has a lot of high-end talent and Mm. it's really glaring when you're a team like Calgary that just doesn't have a Barkov, a Kachuk, a Carter Verhage, a Brandon Montour, when you don't have guys like that and you're watching them just whip the puck around the perimeter of the offensive zone, trying to open up that cross seam pass by moving the puck, moving their feet and trying to create that numbers advantage. I mean, that's what the best teams do in the NHL today is they have that five on four advantage, but they're trying to manipulate that into a smaller number. And ideally when teams are on that five on four, they're going to use one of their skaters to manipulate the killers to come to another position where it Mm. comes four on three and an even smaller space. And the flames were able to prevent that on more than one occasion where they're looking for that cross team pass where the defense is pretty open, but sticks in the lanes or the puck gets over to the opposite side and the killer is able to pivot their body and get in the shooting lane and prevent it. As you said, to have that many shots, but only couple of them to get on goal that tells you there wasn't a lot there and that's what and we can end on this note this conversation this topic on this note that's why i hate people who yell shoot it looks so different to them on the ice than what we're watching on tv or if you're at the game it's not like the ea sports video game where you can see the shooting lane from above the, the shooting lane on ice is very different and the, that's the reason so many people are screaming shoot at the top of their lungs is they don't realize that that shot's not there in a game like tonight you get an appreciation for just how hard it is to get a shot on net even with the man advantage and and sometimes you you handle the puck just um one more so for like a split second more and then a gap, a gap is closed so to make yeah. that to make that quick instinctual decision as well that that's 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 it's it's easy for us to be armchair quarterback for for when yeah. it, when it comes to that as far as the shooting lanes but credit a lot of credit to Calgary as as far as as that goes as as far as taking taking away what the Florida Panthers were doing well, especially when the Panthers in the first 40 were getting the pucks in deep and, and getting their, their four check going. And it, and it, and it wasn't there in the, in the final 20, uh, especially, but we're going to transition over to segment number three, where we're going to talk more about the state of the trade as well. And what the, what each side as far as, far as teammates or coaching, what has been set has been said as well. We're going to discuss that and more here on this crossover edition of Locked On Panthers and Locked On Calgary Flames.
when you are at this time of year, you are thinking about getting people gifts. You are thinking about what do these people like? If you have sports people in your life, you have music people in your life, you're going to want to get on the game time app and hook up that special someone with whatever their favorite thing is. I'm going to devil's Oilers on Thursday and I used game time to get me and my friends tickets. And that is my Christmas present to three of my friends. We are going to have a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to it. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next event. What makes the game time app so great is the flash deals, the zone deals. It's easy to find tickets for whatever you are looking for. My personal favorite is the 3D rendering of what the view from your seat looks like when you tap on it. The good thing about game time, lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation plan, and job loss protection. Game time is the only app that has gate. Uh, that has lowest price guarantee. If you show GameTime a ticket in the same section and row that is cheaper on another platform, GameTime will match the price. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app and create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Segment number three here on this special crossover edition of Locked On Panthers and Locked On Flames. Thank you once again for making the Locked On Florida Panthers and Locked On Flames your first listen of the day. The Panthers wrap up a five-game road trip in Columbus and out west in Western Canada, finishing 2-3-0 and on the road trip while the Calgary Flames finish a two-game homestand right before going to Southern California on a quick two-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. But this is this is a topic, of course, that a lot of fans still want to hear about because these are two teams that are forever connected by one trade. Yeah, there's still the Sam Bennett trade from a few years ago for, for two second-round picks. Uh, Ryan Lomberg was a free agent who spent some time in the Flames organization with ECHL as well. But the tr- the big trade, Calgary Flames, Florida Panthers, that, that late July evening, 11 p.m.-ish around that time. And just the state of the trade as, as well. Yeah, the Florida Panthers come off a Stanley Cup final. But Matthew Kachuk, offensively, really hasn't gotten it too much together this season as far as far as as far as scoring. But Paul Maurice did say something interesting this morning about going into this one and talking about the struggles for uh, for Kachuk offensively. And really, uh, one thing that Maurice really speaks about is really is if his defensive game is elevated, then the the offense is going to come for him as far as that. But Matthew Kachuk would probably say something along the lines of, oh, I'm back. I'm back to scoring. But Paul Maurice saying said that he was never really gone at all. But I also want to go to the Calgary Flames uh, side of things. I want to start with Mackenzie Weger uh, before we get to Huberto. The analytics, the the expected goals, the Corsi, and the Fenwick were down ever since Nikita Zadorov has been traded. However, the actual goals with, of him and Rasmus Anderson on goals per 60 are up while goals against per 60 are down. So sometimes the, in, in that case, numbers can lie as far as the, the, the analytics go, as far as the McKenzie Weger. So great for him. Jonathan Huberto, 
not so much. We we all heard all summer about the relationship with him and Daryl Sutter and all, and about how there was a lot of division in that. And now new coaching staff uh, here, new new GM and uh, Craig Conroy, Ryan Huska is the coach, and Huberto still hasn't gotten it going. Still doesn't have a point in the month of December. Hasn't gotten a goal since November 20th. What And also there was an article from George Richards from Florida Hockey Now talking about not necessarily rooting for the team, but you want to root for your friends as well for the Stanley Cup final. So a little bit of a tough situation for Huberto. How are you seeing, how are you seeing the Calgary, from the Calgary Flames side of things, how are you seeing about the lack of production from Jonathan Huberto and just what Huska is saying and other teammates uh, for what Jonathan Huberto has gone through ever since that big trade, which crushed his heart? It hasn't worked out. It, it, it Plain as day. You watch him. He is not the same. He doesn't look nearly as confident on the puck in any discernible way and talent wise you know this is one of the 30 40 best players in the world on raw on pure talent alone he's one of the 30 40 best players in the entire world and i don't have any qualms about saying that but he does not fit what calgary does he is not a stylistic fit and that's really the big issue that when you think about the trade in a nebulous big picture view the reason it hasn't worked for the Flames is they didn't think about what made Huberto successful in Florida. This is something that NHL teams struggle with, I think, more than the other major sports because there is so much system-dependent stuff. And I think a lot of people just don't think about it. They think this guy is good. If I put him on my team, he will continue to be good and not think about what made him successful in other places. You think about when he's at, when he was at his best in Florida, he was playing with a complimentary piece, whether he, it was during the limited run, he would get with Barkov at five on five or time with Duclair or time with Verhage, or he always had a complimentary guy who would be able to draw defenses away from him, create more space for him to play, make and facilitate, and then just let the guy rip. You know, when you're setting up a guy like a Duclair or a Verhage or whomever, you're going to have a lot more opportunities for yourself because defenses have to respect that person shooting. The Flames don't have any raw shooters on their team. They have they have tried every possible forward permutation over the last two years to try and get something more out of Huberto, and they just haven't found anybody who can kind of who can who has the skill set to complement what Huberto does well. I still think he's a talented player, but with his confidence as shot as it is, it's hard to see him getting back to anything close to what he was. I don't think he's this bad as his production is like, he's on pace for like 45 points. He's not a 45 point player. Like at worst, if everything's right, he should be 60, 70 points, which is kind of what I figured he'd be at this year. But it's very clear that the confidence isn't there. They don't have guys to compliment how he wants to play. And it's no indictment of who he is that he hasn't been able to make it work, but it is frustrating for him, for the team. Everybody knows he wants to play better. And that's why, you know, there, at least I personally, and I know some flame fans do, I have empathy. I feel bad that it hasn't worked for him because you know, it's killing him that he wants to play better, that he's capable of playing better, but for whatever reason he can't. Yeah, and you think about the and you think about as far as who he has on it on his team. I mean, Michael Backlund, uh, 
mostly known for his defense. And and even if he were to go on that top line with Elias Lindholm, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a he was a Selkie Trophy candidate just a few years ago, the year that Barkov won as well. Blake Coleman, we I I personally saw him for many years in Tampa. That was the that was the third line that got broken up from from winning a Stanley Cup as well. So it's just about getting getting the the shooters around him. And it's it's crazy with the Flames. They're kind of they're not blowing it up. I don't think you can. That's the thing when you sign Kadri yeah. and uh, Jonathan Huberto as well. There's but no money. The, that, and, that's and, the, the thing. Same time, yeah, yeah. There there is no money. And then you think about what you get. What the, you're trying your best to get back something like. Yeah, we we just spoke about Sharon Govich's uh, goal streak. That that was a part from Tyler Toffoli, uh, Nikita Zadorov just recently, and now now not knowing the statuses of Lindholm uh, as far as what's coming with the trade deadline. Noah Hannafin was uh, was had rumors through there was rumors throughout the offseason about how he wants to go back to the states as well. So there's also there's also about that crossroads that Craig Conroy is in the middle of when trying to still put a competitive team, but when you lose Goudreau in free in free agency, which really deceptive about how he went about it, at least for Kachuk, they got something in return for it. Uh, but when you think about guys who are older, yeah, I know Kadri is a Stanley Cup um, winner as well, but they, they aged, they, 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 they got a little older too, as far as that. So as far as like what to do with them, you, 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 the the best thing for the Calgary Flames is still to build around, even though Huberto himself is not the primary shooter. When 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 the the year that he had 115 points, he was two assists away from setting the record for mo- most assists in a, in a in a season by a winger, and there but still 30 some odd goals there for for Huberto, but still it's about getting shooters around him. That's really what is the key and. They have no choice but to build around. They they they're not. I I I don't know exactly what years it's uh it's goes from no move to a modified if it or if it's full no move. 2028, 2029. They Ooh. got a waste. Yeah. So they have no choice but to build around it. Yeah. No. That we Jess and I were talking about this last week. That they probably will end up doing the right thing, trading Lindholm, Hannafin, uh, not Toffoli, uh, Tanev, and Vladar because they're all expiring this season. And Huberto, Kadri, Uyghur, uh, Rasmus Anderson, those will be your transitional guys that you'll bring in younger guys and those will be the veterans that they lean on. You're probably not going to be that good next year or the year after, but that's the only way. You, you can't keep being the most average team in the league and expect anything to change. I mean, they have talent, but none of the talent fits each fits well with each other. They've got a lot of redundant skill sets. A lot of guys who play the game the exact same way. They just don't have a lot of diversity in their skill sets and it makes them a very predictable team. And it's why they have a hard time. Most nights. I mean, they're going to struggle to finish above 20th and just goals, let alone five on five or power play. They're going to have a hard time scoring most nights because they just don't have finishing talent. And th- luckily for them, uh, it's uh, the goaltending will likely be in a good place uh, starting there. Markstrom, Markstrom, we, we know him from his uh, time in, in Florida. Uh, as far as that, of course, didn't really get much of a opportunity with uh, Roberto Luongo coming back to the mix in Florida. But now an opportunity for him to get more games. Uh, 
in, in Calgary, but also you mentioned Vladar being out the door. Maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as saying Jennings trophy for Markstrom and Dustin Wolf in the future, but still Dustin Wolf coming into the mix. Uh, I know he just got sent down to the Wranglers, uh, but still that's one encouraging thing as far as the future for this team, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, anytime you have a goalie who has that track record at the developmental level, whether it be AHL college or European professional, generally speaking, guys who are that good stats wise at the developmental level, they they turn into something, whether he's going to be one of the five, 10 best goalies in the league. No one will know until he gets more run, but I feel pretty comfortable saying he'll be an NHL starter for a while. I mean, he's 24. Four, I want to say. So he's on the younger side. He's on a little bit. Oh, he's 22. Yeah. He's got plenty of time. Goalies can can come in 23, 24. And typically, if they get 200 de- developmental level games by the time they're 24 and they have numbers this good, they're, nothing to worry about. Dustin Wolf, I think the biggest thing is just figuring out if they're good, what they're going to do with Vladar. I imagine he's going to get traded. There are plenty of teams that need a goalie and they have a reason to, so they can get Wolf up here to play more because at the very least, and we can end on this because we're definitely over on time. Just when you have young guys like Dustin Wolf or like a Matt Coronado, you at least, even if you know the team isn't good, you know, there are brighter days ahead. And that's the one good thing about playing younger guys is it gives your fan base something to hope on and project on that playing older, more experienced, less uh, projectable players doesn't. So if the Flames are going to be bad, at least have young guys to kind of let the fan base rally around. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And at least for the Calgary Flames, it's not a Buffalo Sabres situation where they were rushing uh, Devin Levi and then, uh oh, things fall off and you have to send them to the American Hockey League. So the pay- there's a lot of patience with credit on it's coming with th- that and knowing and being aware of the situation as far as this future transition for the Calgary Flames. But Nick, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this special crossover edition uh, of, of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and uh, Locked On Calgary Flames. If you guys want to follow Nick on Twitter, you can follow him at Nick Zararis on Twitter. For the Flames feed, you can follow me at Monoman12. You can check Nick out not only on Locked On Flames, but the Thursday episode of Locked On NHL with Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. So, Nick, thank you so much, and I'll talk to you hopefully soon, my friend. Sounds like a plan.